Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the second season of CKX Questions. My name is Yasmin Hassan, and I'm the hosting and facilitation lead here at CKX. For this episode, it is an absolute pleasure to be joined by a man. A man is the creator of the mutual aid platform, Open Your Purse. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of CKX Questions, Aman. How would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, my name is Iman, and I'm a fourth-year student at the University of Toronto, finishing up a degree in cinema studies and critical equity and solidarity studies. And I also work as a library assistant at one of the libraries on campus. What a joy it is to be joined by you uh, today in conversation. And I'm really excited to be diving into all of the incredible work you do. Um, And actually over the summer, I organically came across your account on Instagram under the account uh, you run called Open Your Purse. And for the longest time, I thought it was a team of folks running and coordinating it. But it was only in setting up this meeting that it was brought to my attention that it was solely being run by you, which is so incredibly admirable since it seemed like an ongoing and consistent labor. Um, could you tell us more about how and why you started the page and what you learned from the experience so far? Yeah, so I remember I created the page on May 30th. I was reviewing the account statistics to verify the date. And that was in the wake of the murder in the case of George Floyd and stake sanctioned negligence in the case of Regis Korchinski Paquette. And I was assessing my action and political engagement, and it felt inadequate in proportion to everything that I was faced with. And I'd always contributed to crowd funds and aligned myself with actions and showed up, but I wasn't part of a political organization or grassroots group of any sort. So I was really feeling rudderless and as if I didn't have a sense of direction or purpose or as if I was adequately leveraging the privileges I had. So I was inspired by the Facebook groups I'd seen crop up. They're caremongering groups and if anyone is unfamiliar they were groups that had their inception at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic And people would post requests for support if they needed someone to run deliveries for them, if they needed advice or even just emotional support. And I decided to streamline that and isolate the property of signal boosting crowdfund requests for this platform. And I really just did it. (laughs) I didn't think about the implications of it at all. And in part, that's why I did it on my own because I asked my best friend to be on board, but she was facing a slew of other things in her personal life. And funnily enough, 
her house burned down, it's not funny. But mm. the reason why, funnily enough, is because open your purse and the experience of crowdfunding for that alongside it thrust me into this position where I was on the ground learning about mutual aid work in a closer capacity than I had before. And I also just have to give thanks to someone I know, NCHEM, who very kindly volunteered their time and would come in periodically and do upkeep for the account and just cycle through and take down any posts that had met their goal. So thank you so much, NCHEM, for lending that support. Mm. So that's why I was the only person running the account. It wasn't a conscientious choice. It was more so that I was just not thinking of it in terms of what it would mean to hold this platform for a long time. I was just faced with the immediacy of the situation and concerned with upkeep in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. And as for what I've learned about the situation, it was pretty anti-ethical to the spirit of mutual aid to do it on my own. I would not mm-hmm. recommend anyone to do it on their own. And I am so immensely grateful and floored. And I don't even think I have processed what it means to have this account yet. Mm. But because of that, it's positive that it's grown to the degree it has. But also it's made me come to realize everything that needs to be done for account upkeep. And I do think that I'm underusing the platform when I'm just running it as a skeleton crew, so to speak, when we're just doing people's immediate needs, when now going forward, I want to optimize it. And I really want to align what people see the platform as with what the platform can be. So what I mean by that is Mm -hmm. sometimes people call open your purse, a collective or an organization. Mm -hmm. And I was really like, no, I'm just a person (laughs) with an Instagram page. And I've still been processing, as I said, and haven't really fathomed just Mm -hmm. the scope of open your purse. And people have very kindly spoken to me about how I've inspired their own practices and spurred them into action. So I really want to be able to collaborate with others to equip them with the tools to make similar platforms and to just democratize the knowledge and to speak to everything that I've learned. And I also just want people to know that there's and ethics to running an Instagram page, because I remember there was this other page that cropped up and it was very much giving white sorority girl. And I think the Hmm. (laughs) the Abby was literally like a white hand, hoping a black hand. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. And I don't even care if it was well-intentioned because you are talking to people who are in incredibly precarious situations and you Mm -hmm. have to acknowledge that power dynamic and you can't be approaching it from a savior mindset. Mm -hmm. I want everyone to just know that this is political necessary work and it's our way of disrupting these economic systems that we're not formulated in favor of these people at all. And 
we're doing on our own terms wealth distribution. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There is so much importance to what you just said. And and there's so much nuance in in mutual aid work itself. Um, so I appreciate you walking us through that. And you spoke to how, because until now the account was solely being run by you, that that in and of itself is an antithesis to what mutual aid is. And something I noticed from your organizing is the ways in which crowdfunding platforms show up in mutual aid. I wonder if you could speak uh, to that a bit more and expand on what exactly mutual aid is, because for so many folks, they were introduced to this term during the rise of the COVID-19 pandemic. I think if most people examine their lives, especially if they exist in a marginalized community of some sort, they will be familiar with mutual aid. In the most simple of terms, it's a call to community to pool resources and to just examine what you can offer from others. And the reason why I'm speaking about this in very abstract terms is Mm -hmm. because it's not solely money. Mutual aid can be posting on a discussion board and asking if anyone is available to help you in moving from one place to another, or it can be a pooling of information. Let's say if you're a disabled person and there are scant resources about somewhere you're trying to go and you want to figure out how you may need to adjust for accessibility purposes. And in fact, I don't feel comfortable speaking to the history of mutual aid in its entirety because I couldn't, because it has so many different iterations. But I know that within my own community, my parents are from Sierra Leone and they do something called Osusu, which is a collection pool. So everyone will contribute a designated amount and then however long the period is, somebody will take the entirety of the pool. And I know that other West Africans, East Africans, and I'm sure people in other diasporas do that. So that's why I meant to say a lot of people may be doing mutual aid in their communities. They just don't have the language for it, so to speak. And there's also for the girls <laughs> who are working within a legacy of mutual aid where people would show up to rent parties. So someone's rent would be due, they would charge a party, charge for a party, pardon me. And that's how they would cover the rent. And the inception of their organization was done because they were raising funds for someone's gender affirming surgery, I believe. So it can look like a party, it can look like a collection pool, it just really adapts to the needs of the people. Mm -hmm. That was so incredibly helpful from my understanding of mutual aid. And like you said, many people are practicing mutual aid in their communities. It's just they didn't have the language for it. And mutual aid is has long been practiced, especially in Black, Indigenous, and racialized, and queer, and lower-income communities, 
because it's a way of survival in a society that doesn't value you. It, it has been a way for us to support and care and heal each other. Um, mutual aid is a form of resistance. So thank you for naming that. And as per your earlier reflections, what we've also seen during this pandemic is how mutual aid has been co-opted, especially by those posing as mutual aid organizers or collectives, but are actually operating under the guise of white saviorism. I've seen a lot of that over the last several months. Could you speak a bit more to what some of the differences there are, especially with how race plays into it and shows up within these spaces? Uh, Because like you said earlier, a lot of crowdfunding and mutual aid calls have been in support of the livelihoods of indigenous, black, racialized peoples. And often cases, it's also trans or queer black indigenous or racialized people and so positionality in and the way in which these organizers show up in the world in relationship to those who are putting up the calls is actually super important so i'd love if you could could uh, speak to that a bit more yeah honestly part of what's been able to stress to me the impact open your purse has had is like, I was looking around and I was feeling like Nicki Minaj because I was like, oh my gosh, like open your purse literally has sons. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to gatekeep this work because I think mm-hmm. that it would be incredibly beneficial if people began to have chapters specific to their geographic communities. And if mm-hmm. I could go back and do it again, open your purse would be far more focused. But Oh my gosh, how to speak to everything that I've seen. Because this is why I really want to collaborate with people Mm. on making a centralized version of things you need to know when you're starting this page. Because I think a lot of people don't understand why we're doing mutual aid. It's like, we need to redistribute funds to Black and Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. But why? So it's really disheartening that a lot of white people are going forward and not acknowledging their positionality and Mm -hmm. dealing with something as sensitive as crowdfunding for another person. But to amend that and to do, I don't know if harm reduction is the appropriate term, to do damage control, let me say. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to do that. And I had a lot of mutuals on Twitter who were really on the ground, normalizing, asking for money online. And it was primarily black people who were doing that. And they endured so much harassment and people just denigrating them. And you still certainly see that, but generally speaking, it has been reduced. So that's just another way that Black people have been working to make sure that their needs are being met. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people have been encouraged by it. And I know that in June, when there was the influx of murders of Black trans women, many Black Mm -hmm. trans women rightfully said, 
okay, well, I'm going to use this moment while people are turned toward us Mm -hmm. and are motivated by guilt or whatever else it may be to get my needs funded. And then it was complicated because many of them were saying and drawing attention to the very real fact that a lot of non-Black people were also beginning to start their crowdfunds in their wake when as per their lived experience and observation, they've seen the disparity and how easily those people are able to have their crowdfunds met regularly. So to speak to race, one is power dynamics manifest in frankly uncomfortable ways. Mm -hmm. And That can be from who is hosting mutual aid funds and to who actually gets funded and who actually gets visibility. And then something I've seen on my account is I had to transition from individual posts to slides because I don't know if the general Instagram user knows, but Instagram has once again shifted their platform algorithm and Mm -hmm. posts that have high account activity are flagged as spam and are at risk of being shadow banned. Mm -hmm. A shadow ban, because I want to make sure I'm using this language and not presupposing people know what it means, is when your account visibility is tampered with by the platform because you've been marked as suspect. And this happens to many politically engaged people, and it primarily happens to sex workers. Mm -hmm. There is a really fantastic collective, Hacking and Hustling, who are currently doing a study on shadow bans. And I certainly recommend looking into their work if you want to inform yourself more about how these platforms render certain people I don't want to say powerless, but they severely have an impact on their livelihoods when they resort to these surveillance tactics. Anyway, to redirect to what I was mm-hmm. saying. So no, that was so I important. <laughs> Change to slide because I had to streamline the amount of posts and I would look at my engagement and it would be like posts that said, this is for the black LGBTQ community would have higher engagement than posts that said, This is just for the Black community. And there's a difficult tension because, yes, those people are in more precarious situations, but you also need to realize that there is a specific kind of marginalization faced by Black people, particularly mothers and caregivers. And there is a piece of work that speaks to this, that comes to mind, and I'll make sure that it's available in the exit notes And it just speaks about why it's important to give due attention to everyone and how sometimes, if not positions of sexuality and gender, social roles, like motherhood, fatherhood, just being a caregiver can equally render people at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Unfortunately, that was my long-winded way of saying sometimes 
hyper visibility doesn't translate to funds because people will either think that a signal boost is enough or Mm -hmm. sometimes because even the way that social media works is if you have a following base that occupies similar positionality to you from class then the wealth is redistributed a certain way so if I post something and my audience is primarily working class people, then the funds that are potentially disseminated to whatever respective pool I'm asking for are going to be lower than if somebody who has a different class status Mm -hmm. is asking for funds. So it shows up in so many ways that you may not even think about and it's just wild to see this in practice I saw a white person I know who very responsibly took on the responsibility (laughs) I repeated myself there but it's okay of crowdfunding on behalf of someone they knew and the way they cleared their goal I was so happy for the person who was in a precarious situation and deserving of it but I was also like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, wow. Like I was like, it's one thing to know something to be true, but it's another mm-hmm. thing to actually see it to be true. So mm-hmm. yeah, there are just so many moving parts there. And obviously we're working ultimately as part of a greater scheme to eventually totally abolish these issues and Mm -hmm. these systems but right now we have to work within the constraints of those things so calling attention to that is really important because I don't think people know and I certainly didn't know before halfway through this year. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned other organizing groups and accounts um, that are doing this like mutual aid and crowdfunding work and I was actually curious about how you chose the account name open your purse and and why do you think you've had so much like success with this account yeah so I think it's very important to ground myself in a moment and to acknowledge the fact that this work has taken on many different iterations and that I am just one person one account in a network of many. So there were two accounts, the acid hit, which was a spam account converted to what now stands as new world network mm-hmm. and send me the Mateo mm-hmm. who were doing the work of mobilizing their personal accounts to boost crowd funds. And in the instance of the latter, Mateo to take on personal fundraising projects for others, as well as host things like raffles. And then there have been other accounts that I am in conversation with, by pockets, dogs and frogs, and so many other people that I have come across. DC Black Trans Network, Philly LGBTQ Reparations. Open Your Purse reposted a list of resources 
compiled by ATX reparations that you can refer back to. And I think I can say that the majority of people on that list, we've communicated with one another and had an interchange to help circulate posts and lend visibility and make sure that people meet their goals. Open Your Purse is success is attributed to the moment it arised in because I quite literally made it in the wake of the murders of Rita Skorczynski Paquette and George Floyd. So it was a time where people were, for the most part, more politically engaged in their platforms than they typically would be. So following an account was a relatively simple action that many people could do. And there were big accounts who very kindly engaged with the platform and lent their voices to help it grow. And then there were just some wayward people who would tell their followers to follow Open Your Purse, but they won't even be following it yourself. So I was like, okay, thank you for the engagement, I guess. But I was just like, I don't want to be involved in this mess, but a follower is a follower as long as you are active on the platform. And the reason why I chose the name Open Your Purse is because there was a viral moment earlier this year I can't believe that happened this year. This year has been so long. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) No, there was this TikTok made by the user Adam Ray, okay, where he dons this persona of a high school girl. And in it, she's asking her classmate for a dollar and says, open your purse. And that catchphrase went viral. So I definitely think the familiarity of that phrase and the subsequent branding of the platform are what helped it to grow. Mm. Because unfortunately, many people may not be attracted to pages that call themselves reparations pages, which is by no fault of the page because they are naming it or even mutual aid pages because people may not understand the political necessity of these things. So I think the language was more palatable than other pages. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what of, of that like viral phrase, opening your purse, why did you think it was a good fit for your account? I know you said it, it was a bit more palatable or maybe that's not something that you recognized in the moment of creating it, but yeah. Like why that phrase, what, what is the, the history or the lineage or the connotations that come with it, I suppose. So basically, oh my gosh, this was such an incredibly varied period and just highly emotional, but so many funny things were happening on Twitter because humor and joy will always persist. So there were some celebrities who were starting match trains and they would be like, I just matched this person's $50 and everyone would be like, how are you matching $50? Like you're an Oscar nominee or you're a Grammy nominee. Like we know that you have more money than this. So like so many people were just saying like, open your purse. Like the replies to so many people's tweets are like, open your purse, open your purse. So it was just like, I was like, this is like a slogan of like Mm. the revolution or whatever. So that 
yeah, I didn't ground it in that moment, but now I'm remembering like everyone was saying open your prayers. Not everyone, but many people were saying open your prayers. Yeah. It was very funny. Okay. Yeah. No, I love that name. I just remember when I saw the account, it was just such a good way to succinctly say it, like open your purse (laughs) and like give money, like you can do it. So I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That that just like really grounds, I think us all in, in again, like how this all started. So thank you. And kind of building off that, I know you're currently on a much deserved hiatus from the account right now and I was curious if you could speak more to the ways in which burnout showed um, up in your own organizing and what you may have seen in other grassroots organizing. Yeah I think that the main thing is sometimes you can feel so cowed by the immediacy of what people are requesting from you. And this isn't disparaging of anyone who engages with the platform because people are in incredibly tenuous situations and it requires a level of urgency. So it's just making sure that you step back and you're attentive to your own needs because it's not anyone else's responsibility to do that. If you are saying that you're going to offer this to people, you have to look within yourself and make sure that you are actually able to offer this for people. And I think you need to just sometimes have tunnel vision. And that's not to say that you weren't, aren't going to understand why this work is important in adjacency to other kinds of work, but it just means that you are not going to take on more than you can handle and spread yourself too thin. So there are certainly days where I would just get so dejected because I was like, why is it that single mothers are coming to me to ask for crowd funds? Like, why is it that people have to utilize this platform? And just the fact of its existence is something that weighs very heavy on me because I'm glad to do it, but I ultimately wish that the world did not exist so that I had to do it. And I'm so grateful that people and trust things in me and that they can speak candidly about what they're going through. And that's not a negative, but I just needed to make sure that I was allowing myself to feel the full scope of my emotions and to take care and to recuperate because it's a lot for one person to hold. And I'm not even the person experiencing it. I'm just somebody who's been graced to know this and who's been granted that. So I think that's how burnout shows up. And I don't know, you just want to make sure that you're treating the requests with the level of delicacy that they require. And I just want anyone who's listening this to know that you shouldn't be ashamed because 
you did not create the conditions that gave birth to this situation. You are merely somebody who's just trying to survive. And it's an act of courage to turn to support and ask for what you're owed. Like it's as simple as that. So yeah, I definitely think that if anyone takes away anything from this, it's to internalize my last point and to also say, don't do this work by yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't do this work by yourself. Do it with people who you can trust and who you can grow alongside and who will make space for your needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think ex- I totally agree with with what you're saying. There is this um, this ingrained shame around asking for help and especially for asking for money. And I think that is even more prevalent in uh, communities that are vulnerable or facing like any type of like oppression or marginalization. Um, And I, and I really, really appreciate you like reaffirming that this isn't like that person's fault. And like, it is, at the systemic level and and we've talked to you've talked you've spoken to this um throughout this conversation but i i think yeah just really i'm really grateful for you reaffirming that uh, at the end because i think it is something that will take some uh, like a lot of unlearning to to actually feel comfortable doing and like totally agree with like having so much respect um for those who have the courage to do it because there is still that like shame embedded in our society. And I think people like you and other folks doing this mutual aid and crowdfunding work are really helping like destigmatize that. Um, So I really think like, it's just really incredible to see like how much that's already, um, yeah, like that, I guess that narrative has changed even within the last few months. and even if it's just little, a little change, it's still like a significant change in my opinion, um, just because I think it really introduced people to, a lot of people, it introduced me, I can speak for myself, to the idea that you can like ask for these things and, and ask for help when you're in these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, so you've spoken to, like, again, mutual aid and and crowdfunding, um, and there is a bit of a difference there, and I was curious if you could expand on, um, like, the mechanics of crowdfunding and how that kind of shows up in in the space. Yeah, so crowdfunding is a type of mutual aid because people will put forth requests and ask that they're monetarily fulfilled, I honestly have been thinking a lot lately about the fact that these platforms should not be the last frontier. And I don't want to undermine the power of the internet as a tool for collective building. But in many instances, we're also at the whims of these systems. A fear that I have is if Open Your Purse ever got deplatformed and just taking alternate measures and how difficult it may be to get the platform back because there's a very insubstantial nature to these things at the end of the day because you really don't know what's going to happen. And 
with crowdfunding platforms, there are so many instances where GoFundMe specifically has banned people, where they have prohibited people, particularly sex workers, and people face repercussions within that system, which is just so deplorable to me because these people need money. They're on these platforms for a reason. And sometimes people can't get access to funds and there's so many other moving parts. And I was in this talk the other day. I don't know if they uploaded it online, but it's Cosmic Bodies, a cyber fam celebration of legacy wrestles glitch feminism, a manifesto. Mm -hmm. It was really inspiring to me and a lot of things I have on my mind about the internet of late. And Jenna Wortham, who is a former tech columnist, now a staff writer for the New York Times, was speaking about the fact that like the founder of PayPal is like a venture capitalist and is actively perpetuating systems that make people's livelihoods more fraught. But PayPal is just one of the systems that we use. And of course, I'm not saying people should stop using PayPal because it's one of those things where it's a necessity and we can hold space for all the complexities of it. But I really think, especially if you're organizing online, you always need to be thinking of, a backup plan and you can't let everything be tied up in these platforms. I don't know, like I was discussing with some other people, maybe one day down the line, we'll build a website for open your purse or we'll have something that's like exists outside of the platform of social media, but you just really need to be careful because these systems people have, figured out how to make them work in their favor, but that can flip on the dime. And I don't mean to be like nihilistic or anything, but it's just a really important consideration to make. And I think it'll inform your practice in really important ways and also can inspire it to be more sustainable too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you spoke to, again, like a really, really critical and important piece of any type of organizing online especially when it comes to like accessibility and again like the way in which I guess how capitalism in our systems right now so like how do we maneuver through that and work through that in a way that feels good and actually is doing the work for folks so yeah I totally agree and I that's something my friends and I have been thinking about too is just like what if all of these social websites shut down or like you said people get deplatformed how are we going to communicate with each other like how are we going to be able to show up for each other so that was an incredibly important point so thank you for that I would say like on a positive note mm-hmm. the way that I have seen people using platforms is really inspiring I know there is a fundraising platform. I think it's just giving or funly where you can have monthly support pools. And I've seen that done for many elders who are very politically engaged. And I've also seen people using Patreon in really amazing ways. Like I've seen a black queer disabled person who had a Patreon for their monthly expenses. And it was run by like a white person So white people do that. 
I was really impressed by that. Um, don't just do it willy nilly, but like do your due diligence and like figure out how you can sustain your support for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally. And yeah, literally like why people do that, like take notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I guess the last question I would have for you is, um, yeah, what comes next for you in this work? Um, I, again, you're on a bit of a hiatus right now, very much <laughs> deserved. And so, yeah, I just would love to hear what your your plans are, if any, um, yeah, to share out. Yeah, so during this time away, I'm actually consolidating platforms with funds for caregivers which is a platform that's run by my friends and people I know. So we're currently in the process of building a training session. So we're going to bring on a team of volunteers and they will divide their time between open your purse and funds for caregivers. So at this point in time, we've sent out our manifesto and a reading list with select pieces that people should acquaint themselves with before coming into the space and we're just workshopping the training to make sure that people are adequately equipped for anything they may encounter on the page and to just understand what the page entails because I certainly didn't and most likely the people coming in don't so we want to make sure that they have the tools by their side there are some things that I have been thinking about to do with the page and like inshallah like down the line we can have mini grants or a mutual aid pool ourselves that people apply to. And when people called it a collective or an organization, that's when it really stressed to me that this can be a vehicle to strengthen community bonds. So honestly, my dream for Open Your Purse is to be able to have like parties down the line and like Open Purse world tour. Cause I just think that's so regenerative and for people to be able to just be with one another, that's something, especially in this moment that my belief in it is renewed and to just have a cry of rebellion against all these forces in the world. And I feel like I'm talking about parties and some people may be like, it's literally just a party, but no, it's not just a party. Like, Mm-hmm. It has like regenerative qualities and, you know, life shouldn't just be like survival. And um, Tourmaline speaks about this really well, like a pleasure centered praxis, you know, where it's just like, like she refuses the language of scarcity. So I think like um, that's a hope I have down the line. And there are like some other things but I don't want to talk about them because uh evil eye but (laughs) uh, yeah hopefully now that we're gonna have a volunteer team 
there are other things we can workshop to sort of address some of the things that I reached. Mm. Um, great. Yeah. No, th- again, thank you for that. Um, and that sounds so exciting. And I totally, totally agree that we have to like move from a place of abundance and joy. And I'm really an advocate for Bell Hooks love ethic and like, how can we move the world with that? So really grateful for those reflections. Um, and really excited to see like these next steps I have no doubt that this will like continue to be something and show up in the world in the way that it needs to. Um, and I'm just like so excited to see that unfold. I can't thank you enough for this incredibly nourishing and informative conversation we just had. You really imparted so much wisdom and knowledge into this conversation. And I'm just holding so much gratitude for you. So thank you so much, Aman. For more information about Aman's work, visit the episode page on CKX Questions website. CKX Questions is a podcast from CKX, Community Knowledge Exchange. This season of CKX Questions is made possible in part with the generous support of the Lawson Foundation. The intro and outro music for CKX Questions is the song Good Vibes from Broken Parts' self-titled album. Be sure to check out the link in the show notes to support their amazing work. And until next time, take care, and let's take care of each other.